Will you stand and worship with us this morning? Yeah. 
Grab a name of a neighbor if we can, and then you can have a seat. Lean and mean. <laughs> you can go ahead and have a seat. I uh, want to welcome you to Hopel uh, this morning as we gather to worship in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I realize this is kind of the first fall Sunday, so uh, I'm going to introduce myself, Pastor Dan. So that's if you are new to Hopel or you've been gone all summer. So, uh, right, right. Got a lot of things going on this fall. I want you to check your bulletin for that. One of the things coming up, though, in a couple weeks is a women's retreat, and I'm joined on stage uh, by uh, Renee McGilvery and Shannon Ramler right here, and uh, they're going to tell you a little bit more about the retreat, but before we hear from them, there's a little video we want you to check out. Let's take a look. Ladies, come escape with us for a relaxing spiritual rejuvenation at beautiful Lake Ann Camp this fall, Thursday evening, September 22nd through Saturday afternoon, September 24th. Grab a friend and go deeper into God's Word with Christian author Kelly Worrell as she speaks on embracing grace through the book of Ruth. She'll encourage us to look at questions like, what do we do when life doesn't meet our expectations, and how do we handle the obstacles that come our way? Between the sessions, LinkedIn setting will provide plenty of opportunities to spend time with God in prayer and devotion. Deepen your friendships while participating in many activities offered, including a shopping getaway in Traverse City. But be sure to return in time for the second session with Kelly, and then indulge yourself in fellowship in a chocolate overload experience. <laughs> so just women, huh? No, boy, that food was uh, pretty good. I but, know. Yeah. Yes, no, it's for women of all ages and stages of life. Okay, great, because I've never been, so what can women expect on the retreat? What's it going to be like? Lots of talking, lots of sharing, lots of eating, as we saw in the video, and uh, exploring, uh, and that may even include a little getaway shopping trip, if you wish. But it's also time to be alone with God and deeper your relationship with Him. 
Good. And so, you know, we have a pretty diverse congregation. Who's this for, you know? Just certain stage of life, or what would you say? No, it's actually involved for our, it's open to everyone, no matter your age, stage, just like Renee had said, phase of life, and why we're there. Um, the whole point, the whole focus is to just be together in fellowship, get deeper into God's word through worship and just through our study with Kelly Warhol. So we have 11 days before our fall getaway. So come and we've been planning, we've been preparing for your arrival. So come see us over at the Connect, Grow, Serve desk today and sign up. Great, thank you, appreciate thank you. it. Encourage our women to check that out. Uh, as I said before, this really is kind of our fall kickoff Sunday. And so in the bulletin, uh, there's a list of everything that's going to be starting either today, like children's ministry programming, or tonight, student ministries, right? Middle school, high school at our South Campus location, and several other things uh, happening as the week unfolds and the month unfolds. So I encourage you both to the bulletin, desks, website, all of it, and find out how you can get more involved. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we take up the offering. And as they do, um, I just, today, right, is an anniversary for our nation, uh, September 11th, 15 years ago, the greatest terrorist attack on American soil happened. And uh, we want to remember that as part of our time of prayer. We recognize uh, well, 15 years seems like a long time. In some ways, it just seems like yesterday. And so, just want to remember those literally, you know, thousands of lives lost, families affected. And it also reminds us just, I think, to think of the heroism and, and bravery of uh, emergency personnel, of, of first responders. And it dawned on me on my way in today that we've got many of you who are part of our church, emergency personnel, first responders. And so if that is you, would you just stand? We want to recognize you and thank you for your work. So anybody involved in first response, emergency work? Great. Thank you. Ushers, let's go ahead and come forward and let's uh, pray together, okay? Lord, thank you. Thank you for our opportunity to humbly bow and worship at your name. Because there is a sense that when we come into this place, when we look upward, we get a sense of what is true, what is right, what is real. And whatever our past week was like, we lay that aside and just allow you to have full reign in our lives because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we invite you into this place. We invite you into our lives, Lord, and ask for you to work. Lord, for some of us, it means confession, repentance, just areas in our lives where we have been uh, disobedient, indifferent to your work, and God, we want to experience anew and afresh your cleansing and healing power in our lives, and so we pray for that. God, we thank you for this time of year when many things are kicking off. We pray for ministry launches all across the age group, children, students, adults, this women's retreat coming up, and pray that you would use these events, experiences, classes, programs, Lord, to continue to reveal more of who you are into our lives, drawing us closer to you. And so for that, Lord, we ask you to bless and to work. Father, the Bible says that as Christians we are citizens of heaven and yet we're citizens of this nation too. And it's with solemn remembrance that we think of 9-11, we think of lives lost, families affected, still mourning, grieving, much of that stirred up, churned up this day. 
And so, God, would you bring peace to those who need your comfort? And God, we pray, too, just for the safety and direction of our nation. We pray for our leaders. We pray, God, that you would give them wisdom and courage and compassion and sensitivity to your work in their lives. And Lord, we pray for that. And Lord, we express our thanks and pray for protection as well upon all who are in the work of emergency first responding. And Lord, just thank you for those who are on the spot right there, Lord, willing to risk their lives to do what it takes to save and protect others. And so would they sense a special blessing and calling upon their lives. And for all of us, God, we are in unique places, unique roles, and may we sense whatever you call us to do, your favor, your blessing. And now, Lord, as we give, we do this as an overflow of gratitude for all the grace you have poured out into our lives. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We pray. In Jesus' name, amen. week, Pastor Dan mentioned that as believers in Christ, we get to call Jesus my Savior and my King. We remember John 3.16 when he said that he so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that those who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And so will you stand with us and worship as we say, Jesus, you are my king. Don't worry about the person next to you. We're not having a singing contest. We're not doing anything but saying, you are my king. And so no matter what the atmosphere was like this morning getting here, whatever the world may have put in front of you, I know it's hectic sometimes when we get in here, but right now let's lay it all aside. Just lift it up to him and say, you are my king.
the church. for being obedient to your Father and saying, not my will, but your will, and dying for us on the cross so that we wouldn't perish, but we would have eternal life. And our minds may never comprehend what happened on the cross, 
but we thank you for your blood. Amen. Good morning. We've all survived the uh, first week of school, all right? <laughs> no, maybe not. We'd all rather be on vacation still, right? How many of you got a chance to take a vacation this summer? Yeah, it's worth, it's worth a round of applause, right? I, I hope you did. I, I know that uh, for several of our staff, we had a chance to get away. And I think about vacations, and one of the things I think about is that... Um, we have this awesome opportunity. For some of us, it's just uh, the, the place to go that's familiar to us, right? We may have a second home or a cabin, a place to go and just kind of relax and get away and put our feet up and the pace of life changes a little bit. And for others, maybe we had a, a bigger journey. We went on a journey maybe to somewhere special that we wanted to experience and live life a little different and see something we haven't seen before. And this summer here at Hopevale, we have gone on a journey of, of a different proportion, kind of a heroic proportion, if I can say that. We've taken a journey that, uh, for some of us, has been a very familiar journey. We've talked about a lot of individuals who are familiar to us because of our history and our experience at church and our involvement. And for others, it maybe was a new journey, a journey of a different kind in the sense that maybe it was something new and exciting that we learned about some of the heroes that we've studied. People like Gideon and Phoebe and Josiah, Joshua and Caleb, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, um, several people that we could learn from, right? And uh, as we've taken this journey, we've looked at biblical heroes and being heroic, people of heroic faith, and we've also um, looked at heroes that kind of live today and some examples of different people. But the reality is this, I think, that for a lot of our heroes that we've studied, I don't know that it's really any different than the life that we experience. I think that there's things that come our direction. Now, we might not face like life or death things that come our way all the time, and as some of these heroes did, but there's challenges, there's circumstances, there's situations that we're confronted with that we have to decide how we're going to live life, and is God going to really be a part of it? Is Jesus going to be a part of it? We have to make decisions all the time. And this summer we've taken this journey. We've had the opportunity. We've been encouraged to do a few things. We've been encouraged to, to stand up for our faith. We've been encouraged to, to be obedient. We've been encouraged to, to not follow the crowd and give in to tough circumstances and situations. To, to prayerfully seek God. To trust him with our entire life to live in a way that brings him honor and glory. And then we've also learned, if we remember Josiah, that it doesn't matter what our age is. It doesn't matter how young or how old. It doesn't matter if we're male or female in the sense that God has something for each of us. God can use us right where we're at. And there's so much more. If you've missed what's happened here this summer, I want to encourage you to jump on our website to, to go check some of that out because there's some awesome opportunity to, to learn about what God desires from us and what God desires for us. So today, as we conclude this series on heroes, I think it's only fitting that we conclude it with a series of, of a true hero, the one that rises above every other name, the one that the, the Bible speaks of when it says that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life, right? No one comes to the Father except through him. It's, it's Jesus, the one who in John 15 says that there's no greater love than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And then right after that, he, he calls us his friends. It's Jesus, the one who came to pay the price for our sin. I mean, that's the ultimate hero. The one who, according to Ephesians 3.20, is able to do immeasurably more than we ever ask or imagine. Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus. Can you get excited about it? I mean, the one true hero, right? I mean, we should be excited about this guy. So this morning, we can't begin to cover all about Jesus, but by the time we end, I want to uncover why Jesus was different from some of the other heroes that we've taken a look at this summer. I want to think back to the real people that we've talked about, but I also want us to to think ahead about what he has in store for us. And when I think of a real hero, I think of someone who puts it on the line for others. I I think about when when Pastor Dan was talking about 9-11, I think about people who jumped to action and they laid their life on the line, right? Immediately. I think of people in our military who protect us and our rights and our freedoms. I think about people like Joe Simmons and Don and Dawn Smith who right here in Saginaw see a a neighbor's home on fire and they respond and they react. And they go in and they they carry the, the lady who's bound in her wheelchair out of her front door. Those are, those are heroes. I think of people like some of you that sit here in church who leave this building and, and go out and, and work jobs every day of the week. There's a, there's a friend I have here named Jeff, and Jeff's job, he interacts with a lot of people, travels a lot, he sees a lot. And Jeff has taken notice of a a lady who he came across her path, an older lady, noticed her yard wasn't being kept up very well and started to interact with her and realized that, you know what, she needs some help. So he met some physical needs and in the process realized that she didn't have a lawnmower. He applies for some CEO funds, gets a little help, and he takes action. But not even just in a physical sense. You see, Jeff's heart is in a place where He sees below the surface. He sees differently than what just comes to the forefront of our eyes. He knows that there's something spiritual going on underneath. And Jeff's taken steps with this lady to connect her with a pastor in her community to try to introduce her to Jesus. I think that's a hero. We're taking steps to encourage people to change and to to live differently. And most of all, I think of Jesus, because he did exactly that, right? He jumped into action. He saw a desperate situation, and he took action on it. He recognized the state of humanity. He realized that we were lost. He realized that he needed to leave his home and come to our home. He reached through time and space. And when I think of that, I think of a key word, The key word that I think about is that he's a rescuer. Now, you might have your word, but since I'm up front today and um, I get to share, we're going to talk about Jesus being a rescuer. We can think of a lot of words to describe him. Jesus came with a purpose and a vision and a passion. In Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came to save and seek the lost. Now, I don't know about you, but... I can think of when I didn't know Jesus, and I can think of, you know, when I was 16 years old, and I thought I had life all together, and I was doing my thing with my friends, and I was involved in the whole athletic world, and I kind of just was going at it 100 miles an hour. I had no clue that I was lost. No idea until someone took the time to, to tell me about Jesus. Luke chapter 4 tells us that He came to set the captives free. Jesus, the rescuer. The captives free? I mean, I I didn't know that I was being held captive. I didn't know a whole lot about sin. I mean, I knew a lot about sin. I didn't know it was sin. I just knew that was life, right? Like, that's what I did. But he came to set us free from that. The Bible is filled with stories of Jesus rescuing people. Some from physical ailments, Others from spiritual issues, the sin that held them captive. I mean, we look at John chapter 4 as an example. And Jesus is at this well, right? And it's at a time when there's not a lot of people coming to get water. And 
All of a sudden, this, this Samaritan lady comes up and she kind of arrives at a time when she knows there's not going to be many people around because there's things in her life that have held her captive and she has a history. And she comes up to the well and there's Jesus and um, there's this weird interaction. So guys, don't take this as, as your introduction line because Jesus says, woman, get me some water. And so don't use that line, guys. It doesn't, it doesn't work very well. But that's how the exchange kind of starts, if you can envision this. And the, the story starts to unfold, and if you can imagine, um, you know, this, this gal, she's like, well, you're a wolverine, and I'm a, I'm a buckeye, and why are you even talking to me? And, uh, <laughs> boy, that got too much reaction there. <laughs> now, there was this weird interaction, right? Like, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Like, we're not supposed to be interacting, we're not supposed to be hanging out, we're not supposed to be talking, but... What happens? Jesus sees below the surface. He knows everything about her, right? He knows the history. He knows the fact that she's been married several times. And as the conversation unfolds, Jesus reveals himself to her on who he really is. And she sees that. He rescues her from a desperate situation. And what does she do? She takes off and goes back to town and she tells everybody else that she can tell, right? She's excited. She's excited about the fact that Jesus has rescued her. And what happens as a result of that? Do you know? Other people come to know Jesus, right? Other people experience his saving, rescuing grace, even though they're from Ohio or Samaria. And it continues throughout. John chapter 6, a couple chapters later, we see where Jesus, with his disciples, sends them out into a boat late in the evening. And they experience the storm and the waves and the wind. And what happens? He shows up. And that's just what Jesus does. I mean, he shows up and they're afraid. They're fearful. And he steps into the boat. And he calms the storm. And he reassures them that he's their rescuer. And that's what he does in life, right? He, he, he shows up in our most desperate times, in our most desperate situations. Those are the times that it seems like it's tough and it's hard. But some of those times are the times that we recognize and realize that, that Jesus is there to rescue me. As I mentioned, it, the Bible's full of, of those experiences. I mean, we think of Zacchaeus, we think of Lazarus and different situations that we can apply. There's the blind man that he heals. There's the paralytic on the mat. There's a demon-possessed man. There's the disciples themselves when he calls them to follow him, right? There's the woman who's about to be stoned because she's been caught in adultery. And what does he do? You who, without, who are without sin cast the first stone. He reaches down and he rescues her. It happens to all of us. We might be a liar, a cheater. Put the word in that fits your life. He's come to rescue us. He's the ultimate hero. He's the ultimate rescuer. We are people who are desperate by nature for a savior. Adam and Eve, early in the garden, sin and we're separated from God and it goes on to us Romans 3:23 says says this for all who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God right and Romans 6:23 says that the wages of sin is death but the awesome part is this is that's not the end because if you read further in those verses in chapter 3, verse 23, it becomes verse 24, and it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. And in 623, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life 
in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our rescuer, right? Make sure the person next to you is awake. Tell them he's our rescuer. Tell them he's our rescuer, right? It's something to be excited about. So I want to share one other thing about Jesus before I I bring a friend up to, to share a little bit of her personal story and how Christ reached down and and rescued her from where she was at. It's a simple reminder for us that that Jesus didn't come in in the normal way, right? He, He was born in a manger. Most heroes show up on the scene kind of, hey, I'm here. I'm ready to do this. Jesus came in a humble, obedient way. And if we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, it says this, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And, he found, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, and that is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He was humble. He was obedient. And yet he showed up in a big way. And not just thousands of years ago, but he shows up today. He shows up for you and for me. I've asked a, a good friend of mine uh, in our family's Pony Baldwin if she would come up this morning. And Pony's a dear friend of ours, and um, I'm going to grab a mic for her just a second. And um, Pony's going to share a little bit with us this morning just on her story and her experience and what she's gone through and how. God has rescued her from where she was at. Thank you, Steve. As, as Steve said, I am Pony Baldwin. And my husband, Tim, and I um, and our family have been uh, members of Hope Vale since uh, 1988, the year that we got married. And uh, I am so grateful to be here with you this morning to get a chance to tell you how the Lord really rescued me. Um, I brought with me something to show you. It's a little piece of history. It's a little piece of my history, and here I'll pull something down. Uh, Does that help you visualize what this might be? If you're thinking that this is a saddle, you're correct. It is a saddle. It is a racing saddle. It is my saddle. It's a saddle that I received on my 17th birthday, and I used for the next four years to uh, ride quarter horse racehorses down in Texas. Um, This saddle is a visual to me. It's inextricably linked to um, the story that I'm about to tell you. When I was a little girl, I loved horses and I wanted to grow up to be a jockey. When I was 10 years old, I got a job at a racing stable. It was a standard bread racing stable right here in Montrose, Michigan. And the trainer, Jack Powell, um, let me work for him. I mucked the stalls and rolled wraps and swept the floors. And in exchange, he let me ride his pony that he had, Coco. And I thought that was the greatest thing. The next year, we moved to Texas. And we moved from city to city. And everywhere that I went, um, I would get a job at a different stable. When I turned 16, I finally got a job working for a racehorse stable. And the trainer there was willing to train me to ride his horses. So I became his um, personal jockey. I rode his string of racehorses for the next four years. And I loved everything about the barn. I loved the smell of the horses. I loved uh, the sounds. The, uh, I even loved getting sore when every spring we would break the horses and I'd be so sore when we, you know, getting bucked off and getting back up. And um, I just absolutely loved it. And I began to spend all my time there. I was there for probably 14 hours a day. And um, I began to go for seven days a week. And even though I had been raised in a Christian home and I knew the importance of um, going to church, I just stopped and I I justified it because I thought, well, um, somebody's got to be at the barn to take care of them on Sunday. They got to get fed and watered and groomed and walked. 
and I might as well be the one. And besides, I don't really need um, to be with other Christians on a Sunday to be a Christian. I can be a Christian without that. So I, um, I just began to spend all my time there. I didn't realize that um, the, the Christian body is really a body. It really is a body. And I was like an arm. I voluntarily cut myself off from the body thinking that I could be a witness to the people at the barn um, and tell them about Jesus. But at 16, I didn't realize that, you know, what happens to an arm that's cut off of the body? It just atrophies and withers and dies. And that's really kind of what happened to me spiritually. I didn't realize what I was even doing to myself. In the whole time that I was in the racing world, I never knew one believer. Nobody knew Jesus. And um, something that my mother told me when I was growing up, I must have, it must have gone in one ear and right out the other, or else I wasn't listening or I didn't believe her. But she told um, me and my four sisters growing up, girls, you'll become like the people that you spend the most time with. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I started out trying to live for the Lord, but remember I had cut myself off and I'm a dead limb over here now. And pretty soon I had no spiritual muscles and I couldn't make good decisions. I couldn't make right decisions. And pretty soon I looked like everybody else in, in my world with one difference. I knew better. They didn't know better, but I did, and I felt conviction in my spirit, but I couldn't stop myself. I kept doing things that I shouldn't be doing, and pretty soon the Lord was merciful enough to allow me to reap what I was sowing, and it was horrible and painful and embarrassing, but I, um, I got into a relationship that I should never have been involved in, and the next thing that I knew, I was expecting and I was mortified. I was, I was brought up short. I, I had to look at my life in a whole new way. I didn't want to tell my parents. I was embarrassed. I, I felt like it was just going to kill them, you know, hearing this. And, and I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. I was supporting myself by that time, and I lived, you know, in an apartment, and I was all alone, and so I just stayed away from my parents, thinking, well, you know, as long as I can hide it, I'm going to hide it, and I hid for as long as I could, but pretty soon I had to stop writing, and the thing that had brought me the most joy was now, um, was now fading from my life, and believe me, when I say that it brought me a lot of joy, oh, it brought me a lot of joy. I loved it for a while. There was nothing more exciting to me than pounding down a racetrack at 35 miles an hour with 1,500 pounds of pure power underneath me, and the wind is blowing, you know, um, in my face, and the crowd is screaming, and the jockeys are yelling, and the horses are jostling. That was such an extreme high for me. But now it was just like gone, <laughs> just like that. It was just gone. And I realized that without knowing it, I had been living in idolatry. I didn't know that that's what it was until later, but really, I looked to this. I looked to my life with the horses to fulfill me. I thought that, you know, I was living my dream, and that's what was going to make me happy. And then I realized that it was nothing. It was nothing. So one night, when I was in my apartment, by this time I had to quit writing, and, um, and I, just the weight of what I had done came crashing in on me. Makes me cry to this day because I'm so grateful that the Lord let me feel that weight, the weight and the burden of my sin. I needed to feel it. I needed to feel it. And I got down on my knees and I said, God, I'm so sorry. I've ruined my life. I'm no good anymore. I don't know how to fix it. I thought that I was going to have this great life and I was so proud that I'd gotten to duns, do something at such a young age that I always wanted to do. But now I've ruined everything, and it's my fault, and I don't know how to fix it. My life isn't worth anything. But if you want it, if you think you can make anything out of it, you can have it. And that night, I really, really turned my life over to the Lord. And I, time is too short to tell you how the Lord helped rescue me and help bring me out of that, but basically picked me up and stuck me back onto the body. <laughs> and pretty soon he taught me to use my muscles again. He taught me to make right choices. 
And now, um, I, I say often that I, I shouldn't be here, and I really shouldn't be here. That relationship that I was in was really, really bad. It was very dangerous. And um, I, when I say I shouldn't be here, not just that I shouldn't be here standing on the stage telling you this story, but like I really shouldn't be here on this earth. I really should have been one of those tragic stories where you pick up the newspaper and you read the story about something horrible that's happened to somebody on the front page, that really should have been me, because that's the kind of life that I was living. But instead, the Lord was gracious and merciful. It really is true that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And he's given me now a husband that I don't deserve and is so good to me. And Tim and I have 10 children. And I feel so blessed and honored that he trusts me. You know, after such a horrible start, he trusts me to take care of them and teach them about him. And um, this morning when I was leaving, my little four-year-old Elam was um, eating his bowl of cereal. And um, <clears throat> I said, hey, goodbye, Elam. I'll see you in church this morning. And he goes, goodbye, Mommy. I love you with my whole heart. And when he said that to me, I was like, that's it. That's exactly how I feel about Jesus, God, my rescuer, my hero. It has caused me to just love him with my whole heart. So it's not just a few thousand years ago, right? It's today. It's now. So here's the real difference, right? Here's the difference that we have with Jesus compared to all the other heroes that we've talked about. The first thing is this, that he is the Son of God. You heard Adam share earlier. You heard Pastor Dan share last week. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. It sets Jesus apart. Jesus lived a sinless life. It sets him apart. Hebrews 9.14 tells us, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Jesus, Jesus lived a sinless life. He was unblemished. He laid down his life for our sins. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. But you know what? He doesn't leave it there. He doesn't leave it there. There's one more step. He is risen. Matthew 28, verses 5 and 6 says, The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for... I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. A story that we sometimes save just for Easter. No, he is risen. Just as he said he would. Come and see the place where he lay. So I want to suggest today that we look at things a little differently. As we wrap this series up, as we think about heroes, I want to I think we maybe and sometimes we look at it all wrong. We need people that we need to emulate and admire and look up to, and we need biblical examples of that, and we need stories and testimonies like ponies because it's real life, it's everyday stuff, but I think we've got to look a little differently. I think that um, there's only one true hero. And that hero is, is Jesus. That hero is the person who went to the cross for us, right? He's the one that lived a sinless life. He's the one that became the sacrifice for us. Died on the cross. But here's the awesome part. He didn't just die on a cross. One simple change, one simple step, he rose. 
He defeated death. He set the captive free. That's me. That's you. We all need a hero. We all need somebody to reach down and pull us from those desperate situations that we're caught in. We need somebody to reach down and maybe just save us from our own arrogance sometimes. I just needed to stop at 16 years old and realize, you know what, I, I didn't understand it all. And I certainly still don't. But because he rose, because he rose, it makes all the difference in the world. See, we all need a hero. We all need a rescuer. We all need someone to look to. So I want to close with some verses I'm going to have the guys put up on the screen. John 5, 24. It says, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death, from death to what? Life. Life. In John chapter 6, verse 40, it says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. I'll what? I'll raise them up. He went to the grave. He rose from the dead to give us that same opportunity. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. I'm going to invite our our worship team back out. But this morning as we wrap up, before we sing our last song, I want to show you a video. and It's a song called Hero. And as we watch that video in just a minute, I want to encourage you to to stop for a minute and to, to slow down. I know this time of the year we... It's like it's full speed ahead, right? I mean, school's starting. It's just like it's, everything's kicking off. Everything's gearing up. It's this change of pace from summer, but I, I want to encourage us to stop for a moment and to reflect, to look inside. Maybe today is the day that we shift gears. Maybe the day is today that, you know, we've never recognized or realized in our own life that we need a Savior. We need a hero. We need Jesus. Would you watch this video with me, please? He walked the dirty streets Famous for nothing He said come follow me And they came A face like all the rest But something was different The Son of God would lead the way And soon they all would say Savior to 
I want to invite you this morning that if you've never experienced the rescuing love of Jesus Christ, that as we pray that you would consider surrendering your life to Christ and letting him truly be your hero. Let's pray and then we'll sing one last song together. Use this time if God's prompting you to just simply be obedient to him. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love that you have for us as a lost group of people. And Father, we thank you that it wasn't just 2,000 years ago, but it's today. Today is the reason that you stretched out your arms on a cross and took our sin upon you so that we might have life. Today is the day that we reach to you in return. Knowing that it's by your grace we are saved. It's a free gift for each one of us. So Father, today as we sit here, may we think about and reflect upon what you've done and what it means to be a real hero. And Father, would we be obedient to the call that you're placing in our life. Father, we, may we be people who surrender our hearts to you. And for some of us today, Lord, that may be happening right now for the very first time where we realize and recognize that that's what we need to do. That's the step on this journey that we need to take. And so, Father, I thank you for that. We give this time to you and we give our lives to you. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Would you join us with this last song? There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. And there is one born for our salvation.
from this place today knowing that you have a hero, a rescuer. I want to encourage you today that if you've taken steps to, to draw closer to Christ and um, you want to talk with someone, grab one of the pastors or several of us that will be out in the lobby. Um, we'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Go in peace knowing you have a true hero and a rescuer this week. Amen.